Welcome back, Pick Up Your Bible listeners, to this very first episode of 2023. We are still in our series, Jesus Said What? And I am so glad that you decided to join us today as we dig deep into the Word of God. We are in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, and we'll be reading verses 17, 18, and 19 today. Just to give you the context of this passage before we get into the verses, Jesus is on the Mount. He's giving the Sermon on the Mount. He just finished sharing the Beatitudes and what it means to be a citizen of heaven. And then he's challenged his disciples and this gathering crowd to be the salt and light of the world. And then we pick up in verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Here we have Jesus addressing a very important topic, the Old Testament law and the covenant and his relationship to it. I imagine as Jesus was delivering the Sermon on the Mount, he looked out to the crowd and he noticed that people had this look on their face that they haven't heard this stuff before. This is not what the rabbis were teaching them in the synagogues. This is not how the Old Testament law was being interpreted for them in their teachings. And probably in their minds, they're entertaining thoughts of, ooh, this is something new, new theology, new rules, new law, perhaps. But Jesus stops them right there. He wants them to know and understand that he's not there to replace the law or nullify it or reject it. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, he says. I just want to point out that here he's addressing their thoughts. The Bible gives us no evidence that anyone said anything or acted out in response to what he was sharing this far. Um, But it's Jesus knowing their thoughts, knowing how humans think and addressing it. Do not think that I'm here to reject the law, to destroy it. I bring this up because we have this tendency as humans, we think what we think in our mind, what we um, entertain in our heart, the thoughts we conceal in our hearts, they don't really matter if we don't act on them or if we don't speak them out loud. They don't harm anyone else. What's the harm in that? What's the harm in having our thoughts to ourselves? But here we have Jesus warning the people, do not even think that. We see Jesus address the same issue of intentions of the heart and thoughts of the mind in verses like, everyone who looks at a woman so as to lust for her has committed adultery with her in his heart. And anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. These are pretty extreme things to say. Jesus puts great value on the thoughts that are in our mind, the things we entertain in our hearts, especially how we think about spiritual matters, how we understand him, the Father and the Holy Spirit. 
Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, he says in this passage. The law he's referring to specifically in these verses are the commandments as dictated by God to Moses after he led the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. The prophets refers to the part of the Bible, um, the various people God used in the Old Testament to remind Israel to live in obedience to the law and to remain faithful to the covenant, and also had multiple prophecies and promises of a coming Messiah. Jesus is explicitly calling out his purpose as to fulfill the law. He wants the people to know that his message is not different or apart from the law, but is an actual fulfillment of it. He emphasizes in verse 18 that nothing about the law, not an iota, he says, not a dot would change until it is all accomplished. There's this intense emphasis here on the immutability of God's law as established in the Old Testament. He then goes on to say in verse 19, Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. At quick glance, this can seem contradictory. On one hand, he's saying he's come to fulfill the law. On the other hand, he says it remains unchanged till till heaven and earth pass away, which we know hasn't happened yet and then follows it with this strong charge to keep the Old Testament law because it is of good value in the kingdom of heaven. So the question that comes up and that I'd like to address here is, what does Jesus tell a Christian, a new covenant believer, to do with the Old Testament law? What is our response to the Old Testament Jesus lived in perfect obedience to the law. He fulfilled every requirement, every rule, every commandment. He was also the fulfillment of the promised Messiah through his perfect life, sinless death, and promised resurrection. So that all who believe in him will be saved. This is what he accomplished so that we're no longer saved by works of the law, but by our faith in him. Galatians 2 verse 16 says, Man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith. So we no longer do the works of the law for salvation. Then why does Jesus say in verse 19, Whoever relaxes even one of these will be the least in the kingdom of heaven. As believers, we must understand that there are things in the Old Testament law that have ceased because of the life, death, and resurrection of the Christ. John Piper does an amazing job of enlisting these in five distinct points. Number one, blood sacrifices have ceased. Hebrews 9 verse 12. He entered once and for all into the holy places not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. The blood sacrifices ceased because he was the final, unrepeatable sacrifice for sins. Number two, the priesthood between worshiper and God has ceased. Hebrews 7 verse 23 and 24. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death, from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. 
Number three, the physical temple is no longer the geographic center of worship. Now Christ himself is the center of worship. So we don't have a Mecca or a Jerusalem. John 4 verse 21 to 23, Jesus said to the woman at the well, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem will you worship the Father, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Number four, the food laws and the ceremonial practices like circumcision that set Israel apart from the nations have been fulfilled and ended in Christ. Mark 7, verse 18 and 19. He said to them, Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him? Thus he declared, All foods clean. Number five, the establishment of civil law on the basis of an ethnically rooted people who are ruled directly by God has ceased. Romans 13 verse 1, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. And John 18 verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting. Because Christ has accomplished these, we no longer perform them or live in such a manner. However, Jesus, through verse 19, is impressing upon the heart of his followers the eternal part of the Old Testament law, the immutable part of the Old Testament law. You see, there is a congruence between the Abrahamic covenant, the Old Testament covenant that God made with the Israelites through the Mosaic law, and the New Testament covenant that we have through Jesus Christ and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. This is because though the human recipients were all distinct groups of people who lived in different times of history, the divine side of all three covenants have remained unchanged the one triune God of the Bible. So at the heart of each of these three covenants, we see the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for mankind. Because of this, there is no contradiction in them. We still don't covet our neighbor's ox or house or wife because one of the greatest commandments even today for a New Testament believer is that we love our neighbors as ourselves. We still worship the one and only true God and not other gods and idols because Jesus said to the New Testament followers that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. Because we are saved not by the law but by faith in Christ Jesus, we uphold the eternal law of God out of love and in obedience. Galatians 5 verse 13 and 14 reads, through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. As New Covenant believers, in faith we are saved by the accomplished work of Christ, and in obedience we uphold the law of God through love. Listeners, thank you for joining me today. I hope this discussion has brought some clarity to these verses. Please feel free to email me, ask me questions, um, give me comments, suggestions, feedback at cynthiaatpickupyourbible.com. Please subscribe to the podcast on whatever service you use and follow us on Instagram 
Our handle is Pick Up Your Bible. Until next week, God bless you listeners. Catch you next time. Mm-hmm.